Uh, hi, I'm Elliot Blake, and this is who I am. today is Elliot Blake, the writer, producer, and cocktail mixer. Elliot recently ran a Make 100 Kickstarter campaign in which the rewards were custom cocktails. Before we recorded this episode, Elliot mixed me a custom cocktail called the Lazy Eye. I'll include that in the show notes, and you'll hear him making it before the interview commences. Yeah, so this is this is your cocktail. This is the Ooh, Lazy Eye. The Lazy Eye, excellent. And so, it has, uh, do you want to read out what the ingredients? Sure. Are? So this is uh, it's uh, well, I used Bombay Sapphire London Dry Gin, but you can use any uh, any gin. I mean, I think a London Dry is fine, but any like really any any like like I made one yesterday that I formulated with uh, with using Bombay Sapphire, but we used Hendrix to make it, and it was great. So you can pretty much use any gin you want. Mm-hmm. So it's gin, uh, some Saint Germain elderflower liqueur. Uh, some creme de cassis, lemon juice, simple syrup, uh, and an egg white. Oh, nice! So, which is which is the first is the first egg white drink that I've done. Yeah. So, which is which was uh, <laughs> uh, it. I, I kind of knew what was going to happen, but it was really cool to actually see it happen the way that I expected it was going to happen because okay. it makes a makes a frothy head. Yeah. And that's real important for this drink because it's called the lazy eye, and we're going to make an eyeball oh. on on the drink. First thing we got to do with this. Uh-huh. Because there's an egg white in it, so we got to do what 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 bartenders call uh, a dry shake, uh-huh. and um, and so what that means is that you're shaking it without the uh, without the ice. Mm-hmm. So and what that does is that it get, lets the egg white uh, you know froth up yeah. uh, without anything else in there agitating it. And then we'll add the ice and give it another shake, and it still froths, but it really it's it's all like the the frothing part has already. Has already happened. Right. So what we're gonna do now? All right. So my wife got me this handy uh, like travel mini bar kit. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so I loaded up. Uh, so I loaded everything up last night. I've never teaches. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of what I felt like. I've never actually used this uh, mm-hmm. before today. Uh, oh, those are the individual. Oh, look at that. Yeah. That's so there's these little uh, containers of each drink. Yeah. So, so each of these things hold like well, this like there's two like mini flasks here, and they hold like an ounce and a half each. Uh-huh. So uh, one of them has the gin in it, and oh, you know what I'm just realizing? I think I probably have a typo on your recipe card. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be one and a half ounces of gin. Uh-huh. Anyway, because that's what that's what we're getting today. That's what's in here. All right. Which one is this? Oh, this is the this is lemon juice and simple syrup going in. Uh huh. Ounce and a half of, uh, well, it's an ounce of lemon juice and a half ounce of simple syrup. Mm-hmm. Now, the gin. So these these little vials only seem to hold like a quarter ounce each, except, and so I measured out a quarter ounce, or what, a half ounce of, uh, of uh, the elderflower, mm-hmm. and, but it took up three of them. And oh, I think okay. it's because the elderflower, I think it's got a hold, has, has more volume than water. Right. So, it's science at work. Like I had no, I had no idea. I thought, oh, I'm being really smart here. I'm going to measure out these things and see how much they hold. So, and then they they threw me for a loop. Okay. All right. So now and now we're putting in the egg white. So it's okay. about a, like it's about a half ounce of egg white. It's mm-hmm. actually like it's really hard to measure out once you crack that egg and you try and pour it 
into a measuring cup. Like, you know, it's so viscous, it doesn't, it's really hard to, it's really hard, <laughs> it's hard to actually measure it precisely. So, yeah. you know, so you want about a half ounce. If it's a little bit more, that's fine. It actually will help you with the, with frothing it up. Uh -huh. So that's kind of gross sounding, but, <laughs> but it's actually, it's what, it, it, but it's going to be good. And it really smooths the drink out too. Okay. All right. So I'm going to give this a dry shake. what I'm listening for is the like the pressure buildup mm -hmm. inside and like like I, the first time I did it it started spurting out the top and I, that's how I knew it was ready <laughs> but I'm trying to avoid trying to avoid any spurting mm -hmm. all right so let's let's take a look here and see how this is doing yeah okay yeah okay that's great okay so now we need some ice okay Uh, if you got a cocktail glass, Ooh. that would be that would be great. If not, any kind of like a rocks glass is fine. Okay. So there's really just yeah, there's enough in here to make to really to make one. Okay. So I thought it's since it's you know not even ten o'clock in the morning, we probably shouldn't get too loaded. <laughs> get that nice and cold. All right, and so. Pouring it out. Oh wow! Just put this between. Incredible it. color. All right, barely. All right, I'm gonna take the small one. <laughs> okay. So and now this is the creme de cassis, and so what I'm doing here is this is kind of a this is the opposite of a float. This is a kind of like. I'm, I don't know if anybody calls it a sink, but I'm calling this a sink because what it does is like you pour it in, it sinks to the bottom. Mm -hmm. And so what winds up happening is that you've got a layer of egg white on top of the white on top, the white foam, and then kind of the yellow part of the drink and then the purple on the bottom. And it's actually, it's really gorgeous. Mm. And then, but as you're drinking it, uh, it changes the complexion of the drink as you get down because you get different flavors. Okay. So it's kind of cool. So now we're getting to the part of the, uh, of the drink where we're going to make the lazy eye. Uh, so... Take so you take your take your uh, Saint Germain. There's about a quarter ounce here, uh, and or, I'm sorry, trying to cease, and then just pour it in kind of off center, mm -hmm. and then with an eyedropper, we're gonna make a pupil on the top of the foam. I think the more you shake, the thicker the the, the stiffer the foam gets, mm -hmm. and uh, and it, you know, it holds the the uh, the, the creme de cassis a little bit better. Yeah. So maybe I should have shaken that a little bit more. But at any rate, there you have it. Nice. The lazy eye. And so when you look at down on it, it's kind of like you've got a pupil on top of yeah. your drink. So okay. which you know some people I think probably would think is gross, and some people <laughs> say, hey, that's great. I really love drinking eyeballs. Um, good morning, Elliot. Good morning. <laughs> Let's have a. Cheers. Have a drink of the lazy eye. <laughs> Sorry to gulp into the mic. Mm, that's nice. Oh, good. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. It's my mm. pleasure. So um, we'll talk about <clears throat> the project that brought us the lazy eye 
in a little bit, but for listeners, that's the, the Lazy Eye is a cocktail that Elliot made um, for me as part of the campaign, a Kickstarter campaign, where he had to make 100 different cocktails for different backers. Um, Elliot, did you grow up in LA? No, I didn't. Uh, I grew up in uh, Baltimore. Okay. So, uh, so I was an East Coast guy. I moved out here in uh, 1993, so about a year after college. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought I was, you know, I moved out here to be the next big million dollar screenwriter. Um, and then quickly realized that uh, I was not the guy who was going to be, uh, I wasn't going to be that guy. Because I wasn't, I wasn't a schmoozer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was not churning out like high concept scripts, uh, you know, like every three weeks. Um, I was more of a slow and deliberate writer, mm-hmm. and so uh, so I adjusted my expectations. And <laughs> um, and uh, but yeah, but I've been out here with an exception with uh, the exception of four years where we lived in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been out here since yeah since 1993. So it's been a long time. Okay. So uh, yeah. What were you doing in Atlanta? Um, well, uh, my wife got a job. My wife's in higher ed, uh, mm-hmm. and she got a job uh, as the director of assessment uh, at a, a small liberal arts college uh, in uh, just outside of Atlanta uh, called uh, Agnes Scott College. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like it was a great opportunity for her. And I was kind of, uh, I, needed, I needed a change. And so uh, I talked to somebody I knew at Turner Broadcasting, which is based in Atlanta, and um, and they said, you know, we have people, uh, and they had a small animation studio uh, in the, uh, at Turner uh, in Atlanta. And they said, hey, we don't, uh, you know, we, don't, we get people leaving Atlanta and going to L.A. We usually don't have people with your experience uh, coming to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you came, I think, we've, you know, we, we'd be able to hire you uh, we, because you've got great ex- production experience. I'd spent 10 years working uh, at an animation studio in Glendale mm-hmm. uh, called Rough Draft, so like on... Futurama and that kind of stuff, and so, right. um, so we thought, all right, let's let's take the plunge, and so we went and uh, had uh, a great. Well, it was great four years there for us as a family. Three years great professionally for me, and then the economy tanked, mm-hmm. and uh, and the unit of, of uh, uh, Turner that I was working for, which was called GameTap, uh, got sold, and they laid off half of the. Uh, half of the staff, including me and all of my my uh, colleagues who mm-hmm. were making TV, uh, like well, essentially it was web video, but it was kind of early early web video uh, right. for uh, that for GameTap, and uh, they laid us off right when we had just been nominated for with uh, we just received twelve Emmy nominations, oh, and wow. then <laughs> they thought, well, we which was and you know so that was and we won, and then like two weeks later we we won them. <laughs> and uh, and I, it was just mind-boggling to me at the time how a TV company couldn't, you know, figure out how to keep people who are obviously doing good work because mm-hmm. we were getting nominated for, uh, you know, for for the work we were doing. Um, but you know, those them's the breaks. I mean, yeah. I know you're in the you're in the television business as well, and it's it is uh, it can be cruel. Yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, so then we we spent about a year, another year in Atlanta after that, and I was trying to do some freelance stuff, and then. Uh, uh, and it, again, it was her uh, her uh, professional prospects that, that brought us back here. She mm-hmm. was uh, wooed for a job at UCLA, and uh, and I thought, all right, well, let's uh, let's give it a shot uh, and see if I can maybe like because I'd like to start working again. Yeah. And uh, you know, and I'd been like you know, I wanted to get back into animation. I had an Emmy in my pocket, uh, and you know. And they're they're pointy, which is not the most comfortable place to keep it. And um, <laughs> and uh, 
you know, so I thought I should be, I should be able to get work and we moved back and, and that's what happened. So, mm-hmm. um, so, you know, that's, uh, yeah, so that's, that's the story of our, our, our moving around. Yeah. What yeah. kind of work were you doing in animation? Was the... Um, well, I started out as a, uh, just as a production assistant. I mean, I got into, I kind of fell into animation. Um, I was working at a uh, post-production sound facility, uh, just because I knew a guy from college who uh, had a had a job who was working as a sound editor, and they needed a they needed a transfer engineer, and, mm-hmm. and uh, so I went in and interviewed, and I demonstrated that I knew how to push buttons, and and <laughs> very uh, important, and, right? <laughs> yeah, and so uh, like I could figure out how to push the right buttons, I could dub tapes well, and uh, and so I I did that for about a year, and one of the guys I was working with, uh, his wife was an animation producer, and they were starting up, uh, she was starting up uh, production. On on uh, Spawn mm-hmm. uh, for HBO, and I was a comic book guy uh, and somebody who wanted to to write comics, write specifically write my own comics. Uh, I thought I'm gonna go work at an animation studio. I mean, I like animation, but I'm gonna go work at an animation studio and meet some artists, and they will uh, want to draw my comics. And what I quickly discovered is that the animators, uh, they, they go to school for animation and they want to animate. They don't necessarily want to draw some dude's uh, comics, especially for free. You know, when mm-hmm. I was 25 years old, I didn't have any money. And uh, so, but what I found was that animation was like a great fit for me. It's like, because I like working with artists and I kind of understood the, the, uh, the artistic temperament, mm-hmm. and um, and so I worked as a PA uh, on Spawn for a while, and then uh, the studio I was working for and HBO split up. That wasn't a good creative fit, uh, and I, it was like only a few weeks after I started there, but they decided to keep me on, uh, and uh, which I was grateful for, and uh, uh, and so uh, I stuck with it, and then uh, you know uh, did a bunch of small jobs, and and then Futurama came along. And, um, and so I wound up as the design coordinator on that show mm-hmm. and, um, and it was great because I really learned like all the ins and outs of, of, you know, primetime TV animation production, uh, and, um, and got to work with some of the best, uh, you know, uh, directors, uh, you know, animation directors in the business, uh, including, uh, a guy who I consider my mentor, Rich Moore, uh, who directed Wreck-It Ralph and co-directed Zootopia and mm-hmm. uh, was a director on The Simpsons for years and he was supervising director on um, uh, on Futurama and you know we were we were good friends and we wrote some stuff together and so but it, just uh, being around people like Rich Moore and um, Pete Avanzino and uh, I mean there's so many great directors uh, went through went through that and worked there and worked on that show Wes Archer uh, Ron Hugart so many great people and. Uh, so it was great learning experience for me. Uh, mostly, like it, it kind of informed it informed me creatively, but also just kind of about how, what you know how to treat people, yeah, and uh, and and how to collaborate. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so I like that was those were it was formative for me, and it was great, and it was it was just a great fit. I mean, I just I mean I I was at that studio for about ten years, so yeah. you know it, it seemed about seemed about right. So. Um, so yeah, that's that's and so that's how I fell in. You know, I wound up in animation, and then when we moved to Atlanta, um, I kind of did a little. I, I 
bumped up to an associate producer on an Adult Swim show and uh, helped them kind of get uh, you know that that the designs and all that stuff that they were kind of having trouble with in order. So you know, and helped smooth out the production. And then uh, GameTap came calling, uh, which they were just launching, and um, I talked my way into a producer job. Uh, you know, just making a, like you know an animated uh, an animated pilot, and I had never produced anything before uh on my own but i you know i figured you fake it till you make it and <laughs> um and it worked out and so while i was there i did uh, uh i made a bunch of promos and uh mm-hmm. but then i got the opportunity to do um like special game tap only uh webisodes of, of space ghost coast to coast mm-hmm. uh and you know and i at, which when i that opportunity came around they were behind like I don't know, they were supposed to do thirty episodes in a year, and they had done one. And, and, and I thought, well, you know what? I'm like, I, I'll fall on that grenade and see what what can happen. And um, wound up, uh, so I made ten of the ten episodes of that, and it was, I mean, totally fun mm-hmm. stuff. Um, a great challenge, and it was, you know, to to come up with uh, you know space ghost stuff, which I never I had never done before, but mm-hmm. it was it, it was a blast. Uh, but the real thing that the that that got me, uh, you know, I don't know if I'm still resting on those laurels, but certainly where where the laurels came from, which was uh, I got to produce a uh, develop and produce a, a Tomb Raider uh, animated web series, mm. um, and uh, the guy, the head of content uh, for GameTap uh, at the time, a guy named Rick Sanchez, had this idea that's like, hey, you know, we should take uh, Tomb Raider and kind of do different versions of her basically um and he thought well let's let's get great animators uh to do their versions uh and you know which was a great idea but but impractical in that great animators are usually busy Mm -hmm. you know like (laughs) making tv shows or movies and that kind of stuff and so um so it was you know so i said well why don't we get comic book people uh, because comic book people are like some of the most creative people in the world, and like you know, they, and I'm sure that they would. I mean, obviously, there's been there like at that point, Dark Horse was still putting out uh, the Tomb Raider comic, mm-hmm. so you know, so it was, you know, it seemed like a good fit. And he said, "Hey, you know what? That's a, that is that's a good idea." And uh, so I started reaching out. Uh, we made a list of, of our writers and artists, and I started reaching out to people. Um, and we did wind up with one great animator, which was uh, Peter Chung. Uh, of Eon Flux uh, mm-hmm. fame, and uh, so and Peter wound up coming up with an idea that that uh, it was like a three part. Uh, so he basically did fifteen minutes. Uh, we were going to do we did what did we do? how many did we do ten mm-hmm. uh, webisodes and you show them about five minutes long, and um, so Peter did three. Um, but then like we started reaching out to people like uh, like uh, Warren Ellis mm-hmm. and uh, uh, and he wanted to get Brian Polito and. Um, uh, I'm totally like I'm blanking on it's been so long now I'm kind of blanking on who all the great talent were but like uh, Cully Hamner uh, mm-hmm. came on Jim Lee Christos Gage um, uh, Louis Del Carmen who's an animation director and storyboard artist uh, he did uh, some character designs um, uh, a studio here in LA called Six Point Harness mm-hmm. Gail Simone um, and uh, so you know really like Ivan Ivan uh, Reyes mm-hmm. uh you know, I was going to be doing Superman with Bendis now, you know, so it's like great talent. 
and um and like like then like I emailed like I like I called called emailed Warren Ellis and said hey I would like to, you know we're we're doing this thing would you like to be a part of it and I just remember uh like ten o'clock at night my my BlackBerry uh going off my big beastly old BlackBerry and <laughs> and um and I saw it was Warren Ellis and I and and he's like yeah I'd like to I'd like to do that and I I like jumped up and down I couldn't believe it because. <laughs> You know, Warren Ellis is one of my favorite writers, and mm-hmm. and uh, uh, you know, Planetary was coming out at the time, and I, just, you know, thought it was like the greatest, you know, one of the best comics ever made, and and I thought, oh my god, I'm gonna make this deal, I'm gonna get to work with Warren Ellis, and so you know, so like that kind of stuff for me, that was actually my my uh, kind of entry into the the fringes of the of the comic book world, because mm-hmm. um, I got to meet all these people and. And work with them, and and it was, you know, it was a fantastic experience. Mm. I mean, you know, uh, Warren is a, uh, uh, you know, I think he's kind of a creative genius, and and, and you know, he's got an interesting, you know, online uh, persona, but you know, he's also a sweetheart of a guy, mm-hmm. and uh, and he recommended Cully Hamner, who uh, uh, and Cully and I became friends, uh, uh, so you know, pretty quick and. Uh, I moderated his WonderCon panel a few years back, mm. and um, you know, so it's like it, it ran. It was like it, it was great professionally, and it was great personally because I got to meet some of these people that I whose work I had admired for a long time, and uh, uh, and so that you know that was that wound up being I, I and then it kind of rekindled my desire to to start creating comics again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did. <laughs> <laughs> And was this the the package? Was that where you started working? Yeah, on yeah, it was. I started working on that while we were still living in Atlanta, and mm-hmm. um, I found um, the artist for that, Alexis Zirat, uh, on via LinkedIn of all places. Oh wow! Um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was in the early kind of the early days of LinkedIn, and and I I had not like I I had avoided getting on there, and um, but uh, Hank Canals uh, from from DC, uh, it was a Wildstorm at the time. It was uh, before Wildstorm moved up to uh, uh, to Burbank. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but Hank's, I I was down there shooting something with uh, with uh, Jim Lee. We were shooting some interviews, and uh, I was talking to Hank, and he said, "Are you on LinkedIn?" And I said, "No, I don't. I don't think so." He said, "No, you should get on LinkedIn," and so I did, and uh, and and. And they, I noticed they had some comic book forums and people who were looking for, you know, people looking for artists, people looking for collaborators. And so I just I said, hey, I got a crime thing. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've got, you know, a portfolio, uh, if you're interested, let's, you know, uh, shoot me an email. And uh, and so Alexis did. And I was, you know, he sent a link to his portfolio and mm-hmm. it was fantastic. And, and we talked via email and, I, uh, and it just seemed like, uh, it seemed like a good fit, and so we started it, and then uh, we started developing it, and then it kind of—I don't know—it didn't get all the way developed. Um, and then I moved, uh, and then we moved back to LA, mm-hmm. and uh, and it was just kind of kicking around in the you know the the recesses of my brain for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I had been working on a uh, I've been working on an animated series uh, for for MTV. I was a supervising uh, animation producer. And um, and it was a very difficult job. And when uh, it was over, 
uh, I took a little, I took a little breather mm-hmm. and I was like, I got to do something, uh, for myself, uh, creatively. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, and I, I thought I'm going to finish the package. And so I sat down, uh, and, and, you know, banged out the rest of it and like, I don't know, a week or two. Mm-hmm. And I reached back out to Alexis. I said, Hey, you know, I'm, I think I'm going to, and Kickstarter had come around mm. and I thought, I'm going to, I'm going to give this thing a go and, uh, <clears throat> maybe you know Kickstarter is the way to do it, so I can get uh, you know so I can pay you mm-hmm. um, because I, I I even you know like I was 2011 and and I just couldn't see a way to make a comic without especially I mean it was a it was like 56 pages story mm-hmm. and I, I I couldn't ask somebody to draw that for free I mean that's just you know it's just too much yeah um, it's like I didn't. Like I wasn't so worried about whether or not I was going to get paid because I'd already written it yeah. and I kind of just wanted to get it out there. And, uh, so, uh, so anyway, Alexis was game for it. And, um, uh, and so I launched Kickstarter and, uh, and we got funded 118, I guess it was 118%. Mm-hmm. So total funding. And so, uh, which wound up not being enough. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I, I had no idea, uh, like how much shipping was actually going to cost. Mm-hmm. And, um, that was a, uh, you know, it was a good, it was a good learning experience. I, I probably still a little bit in the hole uh, on it even now. Yeah. Um, and uh, and it wound up actually taking a few years to get the book done, uh, uh, which was you know way longer than what we uh, had promised. But you know, everybody has personal stuff that they got to deal with and, mm-hmm. and go through and. Uh, you know, and so, and so we just, you know, I kind of kept on Alexis and, you know, he eventually got to a place where he was able to finish it and, and not just finish it, but finish it, you know, I thought spectacularly well. I mean, it came out, uh, you know, like whatever I had in my head, it came out better. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, um, the guy's a a beast. I mean, he's tremendously (laughs) talented. Uh, and I don't think anybody in comics draws like him. Mm. Um, so, you know, hopefully one of these days we'll, we'll get to, to, uh, uh, do something together again. I don't know whether or not he'd be up for it, but, you know, uh, uh, but you know, it would be fun. Um, was that the first sequential stuff he'd done or? No, he had done some, uh, he had done some other like kind of Mm self-published stuff. Um, and, but I think, you know, I think it probably was one of the first, like, you know, sequential things I, that he had done that had been, uh, I don't know. I, I, I hate to say widely published because it really, I mean, it wasn't, I mean, the, the wide, the, you know, it, it was, we put it out on, on comiXology, uh, submit, mm-hmm. um, uh, which wasn't around when we launched the Kickstarter. And so, but the, you know, in that intervening time, it actually worked out well for us because, uh, we, you know, it was just another avenue to get it to get it out there. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, cause we like, we did a print run of like 400 books mm-hmm. and, uh, I never like, I'll go to shows, but I've never tabled. And so, you know, like I've got, like I've got, I think maybe, I don't know, 40 copies left. Oh, wow. Um, and, but you know, like I'd sent them to Alexis and to the guy who, uh, uh, uh represents, uh, or who sells his original art, mm-hmm. um, you know, so that they could sell them at shows and, um, you know, and then, you know, we had, I think, about 140 backers. And so, you know, sent, the, sent them out to those people and, you know, gave a few away just as, you know, like professional courtesy mm-hmm. um, and say, hey, read this, maybe you <laughs> like it. Uh, and uh, um, so, uh, 
Yeah, and actually that was, I mean, it was the, that Kickstarter. It was great. That Kickstarter was great too because I had met some people that uh, just through doing that that uh, like wound up, um, you know, that wound up being, you know, either people that I, I have continued to be uh, friendly with, mm-hmm. uh, like my one of my best friends uh, I met um, because I guess when, well, I guess it really this is more when, when, oh, oh yeah, you know what I'm totally forgetting is that Alexis and I also did an eight-page story that was in Pop Gun. Oh, uh, okay. In mm-hmm. volume four of Pop Gun. Yeah. So that was the first, that was, he he actually he got in touch with me. He said, "Hey, I've got this thing I want to do, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, a story called Mechano Turbo, and um, and that was, you know, so that was really the first sequential thing that we actually did together, start mm-hmm. to finish, and it was like eight, you know, an eight an eight pager, um, and that was a, a blast to do. And so we wound up, uh, yeah. So that came out in Pop Gun, uh, Volume Four, and so like I met DJ Kirkbride through that, mm-hmm. and." Um, uh, and then uh, Brian Winkler, uh, who uh, has become one of my best friends, um, we like on a, through a Twitter interview, uh, like on Bleeding Cool, um, <laughs> and of all places. And so, like, uh, comics are weird, you know. It's like <laughs> it, it, like you never know who you're gonna meet, and um, you never know like what weird opportunities are gonna come around because of it. But mm-hmm. like, you know, like I. I uh, Let's see, like Andrew McLean, uh, mm-hmm. who I know you've worked with. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had he was part of a Kickstarter that launched at the same time that that uh, around the same time that uh, we launched the package, mm-hmm. and so uh, like I backed his project and he backed ours and he wound up doing a, a pinup for it, and so like I I'm still you know still in touch with Andrew and um, like Jimmy Palmiotti mm-hmm. uh, was like did his first Kickstarter around the same time. And so we backed each other's books. And so, you know, I still uh, correspond with Jimmy every now and then. And, and so, you know, it's like, it's like comics are full of like really terrific people. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. It's like, you know, for all the, all the nonsense that's (laughs) that you see on Twitter about, Mm -hmm. you know, how, you know, how it just, it it seems so awful. Mm. It's like, I think that the, the awful, in my experience anyway, the awful people are the outliers. Yeah. And like the vast majority of, of people in comics who are actually like trying to make comics or yeah. making comics are like really decent, really friendly people. And yeah. I, like I, I've just always been amazed by, you know, what a good community it is. Yeah. It's, it's, for me, it always feels like um, it's a community that it doesn't have a, a base. So as people are just floating around and every now and then you bump into people and interact with them and you realize oh yeah this is really like it's very supportive very pleasant yeah very encouraging yeah um i grew up in in london and you know being a comic fan was was completely looked down on and kind of it it was that it wasn't geeky it wasn't seen as geeky it was just seen as like why would you be interested in that and and like it took years for me to meet people that are actually into it i remember going to a convention in 93 or 4 alone and just wandering around and just feeling like like i didn't want to be seen by anybody that was there even though the people were there for the same reason i was like i I felt everyone was ashamed to me (laughs) it was so bizarre yeah and yet you know you go and sit in on a panel or you go and talk to someone and suddenly it all all of the interest 
bubbles up and all of the community bubbles. Absolutely, up. yeah. Were you um, were you reading comics in Baltimore when you were growing up? Oh right? yeah, yeah. Like I, I I I think the first comic I remember reading like when I was able to read was a Batman comic, and mm-hmm. I, I think that I I probably saw it on a spinner rack like in a store and begged my uh, my mom to to get it for me, and uh, I I probably don't have it anymore mm-hmm. but uh but i yeah I, I mean that was so comics had always been uh kind of a, a part of my my reading yeah and but it was when i was uh probably around 12 uh like somebody gave me a copy of uh i felt like i got a copy of uh x-men mm-hmm. um in fact i i got it at a off of a spinner rack at a rest stop on the way to New Jersey to visit my grandparents. Right. And uh, and I, I I had a small stack of comics, but there was something about that that X Men comic uh, that just like sunk its teeth into me. It was it was I can't remember what issue it was, but it, it was Dave Cockrum was the illustrator, mm-hmm. and uh, they were there. X Men were in space, and they were um, they were fighting the Brood. Mm. And Wolverine had been uh, uh, had been infected, mm-hmm. and but because of his healing factor, like he wasn't changing over into a brood. And some of the other X Men had already right. like had done that. So Wolverine was all scaly, and and uh, he was just going around in this brood hide, like you know, slicing him up. And I, there was just, and I had read X Men before, but there was something about that. I think it was the mix of like just science fiction and and mm-hmm. and I don't know superheroics that really just really took hold. And, and I, so I, I that's and that's really when I started collecting. Mm-hmm. And so and there used to be um, a uh, like a kind of a I don't know every couple of months there was a show like this like a uh, put on by a. a a comics retailer in, out of Delaware mm-hmm. who would come down to Maryland and and uh, and they'd have those like little like mini con uh, and so I'd go with a buddy of mine uh, from up the street and uh, and I you know I'd save up my money and I'd buy back issues of X Men and I and mm-hmm. and uh, um, just start you know and that was really I mean like I really really seriously got collecting then mm-hmm. and so um and then just kept all the way at it uh all through high school and that's when i started thinking i was like well gosh maybe i can actually start making my own comics and i didn't really figure out how to write them until after uh until after college mm-hmm. there was a brief period a couple of years in college where i wasn't reading them just because i didn't have any money you know extra yeah. money to spend <laughs> on them but but uh but there was a comic book store uh, in uh, in downtown Ithaca, I went to Ithaca College, and um, that I would go into every now and then just to kind of see what was coming out, mm-hmm. and um, and after a while, I just couldn't resist anymore. I was like, I gotta have this, mm-hmm. and um, and so I just so I picked it back up, and then. Uh, uh, yeah, and then after college, I, I worked for an advertising agency for a little while, mm-hmm. and uh, but I was living with my parents, so I had uh, uh, I had spending money, uh, like for real for the first time, and uh, and so like every Wednesday I'd go out uh, to uh, Cards, Comics, and Collectibles uh, <laughs> in, in Reisterstown, Maryland, um, and uh, I had been, yeah, and I'd start going there, I'd start going there in high school, but like mm-hmm. and then they moved locations and gotten bigger they got bigger and better and um 
you know, at one point when I was a teenager, like I would draw like a daredevil or something. And like, you know, the guy who ran the place, Mark, or still runs it, Mark Nathan, who also runs Baltimore Comic Con, mm-hmm. um, you know, like was put it up on, put it up on the wall, like behind the register. Uh, so, you know, so that was exciting. Uh, that was exciting for me. Uh, you know, and then, uh, but yeah, so I'd go and I'd just spend, you know, like I'd, every Wednesday, get out there and spend, you know, buy, buy a stack of comics and mm-hmm. chat with, uh, you know, people in the store. And it was, it was great. You know, it was it was uh, it was a great experience, and then I started buying Dark Horse Presents, uh, mm-hmm. and I really loved that those like eight page stories. And Dark yeah. Horse uh, had put out their submission guidelines, and um, and I uh, I I got this maybe it was ninety three. I got a. Uh, um, like I think maybe I mailed away for like their submission guidelines mm-hmm. and, it, and it had a script sample in it. And I had, I had been writing screenplays, um, not particularly well, but I'd been doing it. <laughs> and, um, uh, and so I, I, I kind of figured out, I taught myself how to write comics. I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, okay. Like I, I read through the, the format that they sent and, um, which is still pretty much the, the template that I use now. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Excuse me, and um, uh, and then I just went and started reading, going back and like reading like comics that I loved, and kind of figured out how to. So I kind of reverse engineered it for myself, mm-hmm. and taught myself how to write comics. And but I, I don't think I actually, you know, I got any good at it. I mean, I thought I was better at it than I was, um, and uh, but like I didn't, I didn't. I think it wasn't really until I wrote the package that I kind of really. Uh, and I'd been internalizing like a lot of, a lot of like comics and mm-hmm. comics scripting, um, and uh, that I, I it was so when I sat down to write that I kind of felt felt like I had, I don't know I would say figured it out but I kind of understood it yeah I, I understood it and uh, you know what I needed to do in order to 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 you know make a good story mm-hmm. and um, and so. Yeah, it's a great. I, li- I mean, it's you know, you love comics. I love yeah. comics. Yeah, comics <laughs> are the best. Yeah, I remember um, uh, you, you said about the submissions guideline, and I remember um, around the same time. I guess it was like just as uh, image was starting to, to bubble up, and and there was this real sense of the door opening. Yeah, like the because before that, Marvel and DC, you, I, there was nowhere to yeah. to get in. No. You know, there was no. There was no, this is what you do. This is how you submit to get right. to us. You had right. to meet someone. You had to hand something over. You had to show them that you'd done something. Yeah. <clears throat> and back then, there was there was so few ways of actually doing it without printing a thousand copies or yeah. something at the minimum. And, yeah. um, and in the UK, we had um, 2000 AD, which had like a role in submission for um, uh, the Future Shock short story stuff, which I'd, I'd submitted a few. But, um, but you know, I, I had a nice stack of rejection letters <laughs> after a while yeah. but yeah i remember that 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 um dark horse presents and yeah. um gosh i think it was like young blood there was something in young blood that said oh, like, really? we are we want writers yeah and me thinking yeah 
that, that this is the time. This is when you want to do it. And yeah. then, you know, everything collapsed <laughs> a right. few years after that. <laughs> right. It was like, oh, right. okay, maybe this yeah. isn't the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've somewhere I've still got it rejection letters from uh, I, I, one or two rejection letters from Jamie Rich mm-hmm. uh, because he was the uh, assistant editor of Dark Horse Presents at mm-hmm. the time. And, uh, you know, and, and and they were not like, you know, they weren't discouraging or anything. But I, I think at the time I, you know, I was, I was 23, 24, mm-hmm. you know, young and stupid. And I, was, yeah. I think I got a little discouraged. Yeah. I thought they were better than, than you know, the, 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 than, uh, you know, I thought they were better than they were. Yeah. I'm sure if I went back and looked at them now, I'd be mortified. <laughs> um, but I remember like one, like I actually submitted, did one submission with art because mm-hmm. I, I had gone down to Comic-Con. The first time I'd gone down to San Diego Comic-Con. And uh, this is... Yeah, I think it was the summer of '93. It was mm-hmm. like it was not too long after I moved out here, and uh, and I had known about Comic Con, and I thought, oh my god, it's actually only like a two hour drive away. I can go, and um, and so I I so I did, and I, I got a hotel room. Like, I, I think I just drove down there, and like, I don't even think I made a reservation. Yeah. So it's like, can you imagine like doing that now? <laughs> like, I don't even, I, like I didn't even, like I didn't even, I mean like the. Hotelloween was just like what last week or something mm-hmm. like that. I didn't even bother. Yeah. Um, uh, but anyway, I so I went down there and I walked around and um, uh, you know, kind of really that was like my first like immersion into like you know being around like professional comic book people. Mm-hmm. And I just happened across this line of uh, artists that were like waiting for like a, port- a portfolio review. And one guy was, was, uh, he had his stuff open, like his portfolio was just open on the floor. And I think he was drawing something mm-hmm. and I started watching him and I, and I basically just like jumped on him and I, I said, Hey man, like that, your stuff is really great. And it was, um, I was like, I got like, do you want to team up? Mm. Like I, 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 cause I got a story I want to do and like, I would love to figure out if we could work together. And, uh, and it just so happened he lived up in LA mm-hmm. and, uh, like in South Pasadena. And, uh, so we got together a couple of times and kind of hashed out a, a story. I had this, this, it's ridiculous, but I had these stupid, um, <laughs> uh, characters, uh, intergalactic quintuplet hitmen, mm-hmm. five guys named Mo <laughs> and, uh, Base, which I, which you know, which I had taken the title. I mean, I had the, I've been doodling these guys since I was in high school. There was, I had, a, I had the uh, uh, Joe Jackson put out a like a jazz album mm-hmm. uh, in the '80s, and Five Guys Named Mo was one of the songs. Mm-hmm. And I just, and you know, oh my god, just silly stuff. And uh, so I wrote, but I wrote an eight-page story, uh, and he. I don't remember if he did the whole thing or maybe just, you know, like first four pages or something. And we submitted it and, you know, uh, and it didn't go anywhere, but, and I, and, and, but it was still, but it was a good experience, you know, to, to, you know, see, uh, you know, what that really meant to like to do the work and, and, you Mm -hmm. know, do it by mail and, and, um, uh, you know, you're waiting and, you know, Xerox copies of things Mm -hmm. and, like, you know, obviously what you can do now and uh, the speed with which you can do it and the way that you can get stuff out there, it's like, it's so much, it's so much easier now. I mean, there's just so mm-hmm. many different avenues. I mean, the, the biggest challenge now for me is, uh, you know, I get myself into these, uh, you know, I, I write these giant 
stories. Mm-hmm. I've got a 72-page graphic novel right now uh, called Into the Great, coming soon to Kickstarter, I think, um, <laughs> uh, after I'm done you know, fulfilling uh, drink orders. Um, and uh, I actually tried kickstarting it uh, the, God, the October before the 2016 election which was the worst time in the world to try and get anybody's <laughs> attention on social media because it looked like the world was on fire. And guess what it is? And anyway, um, so, uh, but it was like, it was hugely expensive to do because mm-hmm. it was this fancy digital, uh, digital native comic, uh, kind of like the Marvel Infinite uh, comics that mm-hmm. they were selling on, on uh, Comixology. And, uh, and just to actually like do a full color book like that or comic like that, I, I kind of budgeted it all out and make sure everybody was getting a good page rate except for me. And it was still was coming out to like $24,000 or something mm-hmm. like that. And, and, but, and with no physical reward at the end because it was a digital only comic mm-hmm. and it did miserably. I mean, I, I think we got, I mean, not maybe not miserably, but we got like 20%. Yeah. But you nowhere close to what, you know, we needed to actually do it. Yeah. And so, and I'm, you know, and, and that's, you know, and it's like I'm not I'm not independently wealthy not yet anyway and uh, you know so you know I, I rewrote the comic last summer as a uh, just a standard graphic novel mm-hmm. and um, but you know it's still going to cost fifteen sixteen thousand dollars to mm-hmm. to do it and uh, and that include you know including printing and everything yeah. and so you know it's still an expensive there's so many it's it's a lot easier to get work out there but it's still expensive to do and so like that's the big you know that that's the big hump and um so you know but eventually it'll eventually it'll get out there i i'm confident of that Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah it's a good story and i found an amazing artist uh uh, through twitter that's one of the great things about twitter Mm -hmm. uh the the visible visible women hashtag was Mm -hmm. going around and i started looking at at uh you know, just all the portfolios, you know, that people were posting. And there's amazing stuff out there. And uh, I reached out to a few people. And, and um, this one young woman is uh, a university student uh, in England. Uh, but she is from, like, I think in her last year. But she's from Norway. Johan, Johan Eika Bergil. I am sure I am not saying it correctly in the, with the Norwe- the correct Norwegian uh, uh accents but um wonderful amazing artist mm-hmm. and uh and, and she was into the story and so you know so she drew four pages and i gotta get them lettered and colored and then i think you know uh I was contemplating going out to a publisher mm-hmm. uh but i still think i don't know it feels sometimes like I mean, th- here's where the challenge is, that it feels like even if you get a publisher, somehow you still are going out of pocket mm. Uh, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways to, you know, for, to, get the, to get the work out there. And so, um, and I don't mind going out of pocket for script costs because, you know, it's fine. But I, like, I, you know, like, it's just too expensive, you know, to, I, I just don't have whatever, you know, thousand that many thousands of dollars to pay somebody yeah uh as an independent so kickstarter looks that you know that's where kickstarter comes back in yeah so hopefully convince somebody to you know get convince enough people to uh uh take a chance on uh uh on a cool you know mm-hmm. science fiction romance mm-hmm. um because <laughs> who doesn't like a romance comic and you know i don't know kind of optimistic i mean it's like it takes place like 400 years in the future or something like that and uh you know and i and it's it's a little 
you know, on the edges of space, so it's a little bit of civilized space, so it's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit dark and it's a little bit grimy, but but fundamentally optimistic because we're still around and yeah. we've gotten off this this rock. <laughs> so uh, so I'm hoping that people will uh, hoping that people will eventually when it gets out there that people will want to mm-hmm. help fund it and or pre-order it. That's kind of how I look at Kickstarter these yeah. days. Yeah, that's like a, pre- uh, a pre-ordering system. Yeah, and it's a little more efficient, I think, than the diamond model in many ways. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because Absolutely. that's such a such a strange system to yeah. To yeah. Um, and, and it, it's the, the, the one great thing I think about Kickstarter that is, um, it, it's so open to other genres. It's not yeah. beholden to Marvel and DC and yeah. to superhero comics. It's like, you know, you can go in there and find anything, any kind of storytelling yep. if people are willing to put it out there. Um, and I think people are having more success finding audiences for other stuff there mm-hmm. than they are in, in the regular and you know I, i'm i don't want to be down on the brick and mortar stores because they a lot of them are struggling and a lot of them are finding it difficult to keep going and yeah um but they are so so um tied to this old system that sometimes you know yeah. there, there are some stores that are very friendly to indie people and there are some stores that just can't be because their money comes from batman superman and right yeah. And yeah. It's not. Yeah. It's not necessarily their fault. It's, yeah. It really is. I mean, it, it really is. I mean, just from from where I sit, you know, just like just kind of on the fringe of the of, of the professional comics community. Um, but, you know, I know a lot of people and, you know, mm-hmm. that are in comics and I hear the same things, like, yeah. you know, from them. And is that essentially this is that I mean, what you just said, it's like the system is the system's kind of broken. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know. I don't know. Look, I'm not an expert on the, the economics of it, but it seems to me like if you have non-returnable inventory, uh, then that's going to make you, as a retailer, it's going to make you, uh, you know, really careful about how you spend your dollars. Yeah. So, and I don't, I don't fault anybody for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, hmm. Yeah. Um, was the package when when you came up with that idea? Did you come up with it as you you said this is going to be a comic, or was it just a, an idea that you felt? that you could get told because comics were around and because they were becoming... No, I wanted to do it as a comic. Uh-huh. It, it, I, I had, uh, like, I, I, I had uh, some friends of mine, when I was working uh, at Rough Draft, one of the storyboard artists, or a couple of the storyboard artists that were there, uh, were putting out a, uh, uh, a comic, like, once a year, like an anthology comic called mm-hmm. Hot Mexican Love Comics. Mm-hmm. And, and, and... Um, and all the stories had to have a, a, a kind of a Mexico or Mexican related theme to it. And so I came up with a short story about a couple of guys uh, stuck in a hotel room in, or motel room in Mexico uh, uh, waiting for something mm-hmm. and really getting on each other's nerves. Uh, uh, and it was just a little short. And in the end, one of them killed the other. <laughs> and... Um, uh, so you know, a real happy story, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, and I always liked that first chapter, and it really was just the first chapter, and then uh, and then it just kind of occurred to me, I was like, well, what if I just like I like those those characters seemed fun to me, like they were fun to write, and it mm-hmm. was fun to write their dialogue, and I thought, well, what if I actually just didn't have one kill the other at the end of it, and just expand the story, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, see what kind of thing I could do with it. And I, I mean, I love crime fiction and, mm-hmm. um, and 
uh, I think, I don't know. I liked Ed Brubaker's, I, mean, I love Ed Brubaker's writing. And, uh, and uh, I think he had been trying to remember like what was coming out around the time. I think Sleeper was still coming out, mm-hmm. but you know, that was a, that's a, it's a nominally a superhero story, but it's really, it's crime. Mm-hmm. It's crime, it's crime fiction. Yeah. And, um, and I found that pretty inspiring, and uh, but you know I wanted to do my I wanted to do my own thing and just kind of see where it went, and um, and it wound up it wound up being <laughs> wound up being this this you know crazy story about a guy uh, who winds up uh, uh, you know hitman who winds up with a bomb sewn into his chest, mm-hmm. uh, who is forced to uh, who thinks he has a get out of jail free card. Uh, you know, getting out from the, the oppressive thumb, un, out from under the oppressive thumb of his his L.A. mobster boss, uh, but then is forced to go back to L.A. to kill him. Mm-hmm. And uh, available on Comicsology, <laughs> two ninety nine. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, so and co- I mean, comics are just. I, I mean, I, I've I've said this a bunch of times. Um, I love animation. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've made a career in it, uh, and will continue making a career in it. But comics are what I'm most passionate about, mm-hmm. and from a, even from a storytelling perspective, I mean, just like there's obviously there's so many great things you can do in animation, but comics is just you know the, just the language of it, like the the of, of comics, the that marriage of of words and visuals and mm-hmm. and uh, is just perfect for me. It's just like it really is. Like I can't like there's I don't think there's a better like I I read a lot I, I read a lot of prose and I read you know and I watch a lot of TV and movies and um but comics just are that sweet spot. Mm-hmm. So I I. I you know, so when I get the opportunity to do something, uh, I th- that's where I, you know that's how I like to do it. I mean, yeah. I've got a, uh, I'm sure you do too, but it's like I've got a notebook that's that's you know got, you know, it's full of ideas that I want to do in comics. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think sometimes, oh, okay, well, you know, like I've got this one kind of all ages thing that that I, I thought, well, you know, maybe I should turn this into an animated feature or animated series. Um, because, you know, I, that's the business that I work in, and I, I know people and mm-hmm. who I can pitch to, and 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 but it just doesn't feel right. It's like I kind of want to like I keep coming back to wanting to make it into a, a comic book because mm. that's kind of how that's how I thought of it in the first place, and yeah, and um, and I can, but you know, also because I can do it the way I want to do it, yeah, that way. Um, I mean, you know, and and also like if I if I get to like I'll write it. And if I can find the right artist to work on it, it'll just, you know, to, to do it with me, to collaborate with, uh, it will be, you know, I'm assuming it would be a good collaboration and, you know, I'm, I'm being positive about it, but you know, like that, that it's going to take whatever I come up with and take it to a whole other level. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the things that, I mean, that's one of the things I love about animation, but I also, that, that I really love about comics is that, that collaborative mm-hmm. aspect of it. Because I know that, like, whatever I do is just a script. It's just words on a page. And it doesn't actually come to life until somebody starts drawing it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and when somebody starts drawing it and bringing their own <clears throat> bringing their own experiences and bringing their own kind of point of view to the story, uh, it changes it in a, 
I think usually in a, in a positive in a positive way, mm-hmm. and and you know kind of illuminates some things that maybe you didn't even realize were in your in your text. And I mean, I I, I think that's like you know the best best case scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, so everybody brings something to the table, and and uh, you, you know, and certainly I think like as a as a writer. Uh, you know, and it's been a kind of a very writer kind of dominated field, at least in terms of like what, you know, uh, you know, uh, how comics are perceived. It's like, you know, if you can't, if you can't get behind, if you can't see past your own words to what an artist is doing to, Mm -hmm. to turn your work into, you know, into our work and into something that is, greater than the uh the 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 parts Mm -hmm. then you're doing it wrong (laughs) so you know it's just because i mean uh, you know i mean comics are a visual media yeah you know they're a visual medium and you have to you have to embrace that Mm -hmm. and um you know it's like, like i can write a like every script that i write always has a note in it like this is this is what I think it should be. And like when I'm writing, it's like I, I just for pacing purposes, like I like I, I, I wouldn't say that I thumbnail anything because I can't draw. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I make little stick figure drawings and I kind of figure out like like I, I'll sketch out what I think a panel like a page layout should be. Yeah. Or, you know, but mostly but for me, just so I can say, OK, well, am I putting too much on a page? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, like. Is do I really need nine panels here? You know, can I do it with less? Mm-hmm. And and when I ha- get to those pages where I've got eight or nine panels, I always you know like I, I think about well what's you know the, somebody's got to draw this is like is it really feasible? And um, and I always put a note that says, hey look, you know this is how I was imagining it, but this isn't set in stone. Mm-hmm. You know, let's talk about it. If you you know if you have a better way of doing this by God, please, you know, do it better because like I, I trust, I trust the visuals and, Mm -hmm. uh, I want to make sure that I'm not dictating anything. And then if there is a page where I feel like, Hey, look, this, there's a reason that I, you know, like that it's paced this way, Mm -hmm. then, you know, I'll say like, this is, you know, I, I, here's why I did it this way. Here's why I wrote it this way, and here's why I want it to, you know, why why I want this page to be, I don't know, nine panels, uh, or whatever. Um, if it's not working, but even then, if it's not working for you, let's talk about it and figure yeah. it out. Mm-hmm. And I, I certainly have found that as I've gotten, as I've kind of worked on more scripts, and and certainly like when I sat back and and rewrote into the great uh, from a digital only comic into a regular, uh, you know, standard comic. Um, I cut so much dialogue and just really scaled back on, on the amount of talking. Mm-hmm. And, uh, because I, because it really was it's like, I want, like, I, I feel like an artist, hope, you know, hopefully will be able to convey, mm-hmm. you know, the emotions, you know, with less words. Yeah. And, and, and that's part of it. It's like, it's not, it's not a radio play. Yeah. So, yeah, I think there's a. I, I mean, I'm definitely guilty of this, but I think there's a. There's like a a need as a writer to put dialogue in because that's like your contribution. That's yeah. your you know 
hey, I'm I'm here. Look, yeah. I, I'm, I'm keeping up, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Mentality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and if you can get rid of it, or if you can, if you can, um, if you can do something with it that isn't being already done in the, the images, right. then that's that's worthwhile, I yeah. think. But yeah, it's it's uh, it's a fun uh, lesson. I think that's where a lot of writers do learn is to as they go on, they st- they realize they don't need to be so wordy and they yeah. don't need to, to dump it in. Um, with the uh, the drink stuff, the yeah. uh, 100 cocktails thing, that was the latest Kickstarter that you yeah. did. And um, where, how did that come around? <laughs> um, I just, I got an email from Kickstarter uh-huh. and, and with, you know, kind of explaining what the Make 100 mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, prompt was. And, and uh, you know, as it, having done Kickstarters in the past, you know, I'm sure you got that email too. And I, and, and, uh, I thought, ah, you know, that's, that's kind of interesting. I wonder if there's something I could do. And, yeah. um, and then I, I thought, well, I wonder if I if I offered to make custom cocktails for people, if anybody would go for it. And I, I got a pretty good home bar, and I'm I'm I, and I'm I'm pretty handy in it. That's like I'm, I'm I I consider myself an advanced home bar guy, mm-hmm. and um and I've been working at it for a long time. It's something I really enjoy doing it's it's really relaxing that to, to, to go in there uh at the end of the day and, and make something and mm-hmm. you know and, and, and usually not something that i've created i mean it's like like something you know that i pulled out of a cocktail book and and i said oh that sounds interesting i wonder if i can make that and mm. if it's any good and um and so i just enjoy i just enjoy doing it and i enjoy like i enjoy going to a nice you know cocktail bar and watching the professionals at work and enjoying what they what they make. And, um, I, uh, I, I, and I don't know, I just thought, well, Hey, you know, I want, I wonder if I could do this, if anybody would go for it. And I was like, I think I could probably, I think I could probably do it. And which was like, you know, I, a crazy amount of hubris, I guess, really, because, <laughs> you know, like I'm not a professional, you know, I've never worked in a bar. It's like, mm-hmm. I've never like never worked in the hospitality industry at all. I worked at a Cinnabon for two weeks in, in, <laughs> in high school. I don't think that counts. Uh, there's certainly a Cinnabon is certainly not hospitable. Um, anyway, um, uh, but yeah, I, but I thought, okay, yeah, let's let's try it. And, my, and I, I said to my wife, I said, "What do you think?" And uh, you know, and she said, "Well, yeah, why not?" And I was like, "What do you have to lose?" I mean, it's like, and she was right. I mean, it's like either it was going to work or it, or it wasn't. You know, people were going to, you know, I just, I was, I thought, all right, I'm going to put out, I, I, so I decided to do it and I, I was very honest about who I am and what I do and, you know, what I'm capable of or what I think I'm capable of mm-hmm. and, and enough, obviously enough people, uh, you know, and I was a limited number of drinks. Yeah. And so, which I think was a, a big, I would never have done it if it was just like an unlimited, you know, <laughs> it's like that would be, you know, you're setting yourself up for, for some kind of horrendous uh you know inability to deliver mm-hmm. and uh so i just thought all right what the hell i'll just i you know i i had left i had i had been i had left my i'd worked i, I left my job mm-hmm. uh to pursue some creative endeavors and so i had a little more flexibility in my schedule and i thought um all right yeah let's just give it a try and see what happens and uh and yeah and then, and then it, like it only took like six days to to get funded which mm. was which was crazy and uh and 
you know, and then yeah, and it felt, and then I think uh, it's six days to get funded, and like so, and and I think like ten days to get to a hundred backers. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, and some people were really like incredibly generous uh, in their pledges. I mean, because it was, I figured like the pledge level to get a drink was was like fifteen bucks plus shipping. Mm-hmm. And and I was like, well, a good cocktail in a like in a in a nice cocktail bar is about fifteen bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that seemed like a reasonable price to have something that was going to be you know named after you, mm-hmm. uh, uh, or you know you get to choose what the name is and, mm-hmm. and and you know kind of decide like what your you know like what your base spirit is mm-hmm. and, and the, that seemed that seemed like a fair price and but like some people pledged twenty five bucks. I got a couple of people that pledged a hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which I, which I was shocked by. Yeah, like I really like I, that. Just I, you know, because I didn't have like like I didn't have. I wasn't offering anything, uh, you know. There was the. I think I, I think there was a fifteen dollar level. Like that was mm-hmm. the, that was it. That was yeah. what it, when I went when I started. It, that's what it went out as. And then uh, it seemed like as we got as I, after I reached um, after I got to the hundred backers, I, I, I there was still plenty of days left. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I, I'm not going to promote continue promoting it anymore, but. <laughs> Because that you know on on social, like, I I don't want to be obnoxious about it, but I thought well maybe I'll just do like a ten dollar tier so you can at least you know get the book if it's mm-hmm. something that you're interested in, and people like twenty three people ordered the book, which shocked me because I thought well why would you like who want, who would want a book full of of original cocktails made by <laughs> an amateur, you know, and without and where you don't get to have your own like drinking it, but mm-hmm. I guess you know people like the idea so. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so that was great. It was really, you know, that was really, it was really nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, um, you know, so I, I, I thought, well, all right, well, okay, I'm going to do it now. And I'm like, I, you know, I'm, I was excited to do it. I mean, but also, like, I, there was also a, like, kind of an element of, like, why there's no backing out now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I just started and, you know, like, you know, sent out a survey and, um the survey was the key. I mean, that that was the the, the key element to figuring out how I was going to make drinks for people, because mm-hmm. you know you don't want to make you know just say okay, well you know Joe's going to get a whiskey drink and Jane's going to get a gin drink and mm-hmm. you know like you I wanted big people to have a, a certain level of customization, mm-hmm. uh, you know not too much, because I needed to be able to, have, to kind of flex my my. This sounds stupid. Flex my creative muscles, but <laughs> but uh, but you know I needed to be able to to play around with different ingredients and figure out what was going to work. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, but you know, so so I, my wife Laura uh, is a survey expert, and she, she does them all the time uh, for her work. And uh, so she helped me come up with a, a, a good survey that would kind of cover, you know, most of the bases. Mm-hmm. And she came up with the, what wound up being the, the key question, which is what is your, what's your go-to cocktail? Mm-hmm. And you, I don't know if it's, if there's like, it's, there's something you can learn from it depending on, on what the response is. Yeah. Like a lot of people responded like an old fashioned is their, mm, is their, yeah. is their go-to cocktail. Which is a great cocktail, um, and really, uh, you know, it's like a like if you're making cocktails at home, like that's a great one to start with, because it's one, it's like it's two ingredients, mm-hmm. and um, whiskey and, and simple syrup, and and you know, and a little orange 
orange peel. Um, or a sugar cube if you're feeling, you know, an Angostura bitters. You know, anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, so, um, and so, like, that, like, if somebody said, well, my go-to is an old-fashioned, it's a little opaque, you know, mm-hmm. like, because I was like, okay, well, is that because, you like, you really just love an old-fashioned, or is it because um, you don't, you know, like, you, there's so much out there, like, you don't know, like, you're, or like, how experienced a drinker are you, mm-hmm. you know, like, like, so you don't know. But then somebody says, like, uh, a couple of people said, well, like, like, I really like a penicillin. And, um, and a penicillin, I guess, is like a newer classic cocktail, and mm-hmm. it's scotch and, and ginger, and um, I'm forgetting what else is in it right now, but, uh, you know, it's kind of a complex cocktail, and it's not one that you see on cocktail, you know, it's certainly not one that a lot of people make at home, I think, mm-hmm. because it's a little complicated, and, and, um, and I don't, you know, and it's not on every cocktail menu, whereas an old-fashioned is. Because it's it's easy to because it's easy to do mm-hmm. and you know and you can judge it up you know you can make like a barrel aged old fashioned and you have them on draft like I've seen that at at, at some bars, mm-hmm. um, so you know so if somebody says well my drinks are penicillin and like oh, okay well that that tells me I get a little bit more about what you might like like mm-hmm. what kind of stuff you know that that tells me a little bit more than than an old fashioned does but even then it's like okay well I want like. Like my go-to drink is an old-fashioned, and I want a whiskey drink, and I don't want it to be. Uh, I think the choices where it could be refreshing and light, heavy hitter, or or somewhere in between. It's like I want it to be somewhere in between. I don't like bitter flavors. Mm-hmm. I like the like, like, but I do, you know. But I have a bit of a sweet tooth, you know. Like those kinds of things, tell me, you know, like at least give me a little bit of direction to yeah. go in. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and and uh, and then also like when somebody tells me what they don't want in it, like don't. Uh, like somebody said, don't no yogurt. Mm-hmm. Like okay, that's fine. <laughs> I don't, that was very unlikely that I was going to put a probiotic yogurt in your drink. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and somebody did. Somebody did make that request, mm-hmm. uh, which was an easy one to uh, an easy one to to honor. Yeah, that um, sounds like they've had an experience. Somewhere yeah, yes, exactly. And so you know, I mean, I I don't want a, them to have to relive it because of me. Um, and. Uh, you know, so I'm able to, it gives me a little bit of direction. So I was like, you know, don't, all right, so no yogurt, no bananas, you know, mm-hmm. don't put, um, don't put chocolate in it, you know, like that kind of stuff. It's all really helpful. And so I was like, okay, well, that, that gives me a framework at least to, to work in. Mm-hmm. And then also the other, the other important question is like, you know, are you, uh, do you consider yourself a, uh, a beginner, uh, or an intermediate or an advanced like home bar mm-hmm. person? And so I know if somebody says that they're, uh, you know, advanced, like I can get a little more adventurous. Like mm-hmm. I can get a little more adventurous with the ingredients. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, and if somebody's a beginner, um, you know, that's obviously that's fine too. It's like, you know, and, I mean, and the idea is like you're supposed to be able to make these cocktails at home. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing in them that's going to be so, you know, like there's no ingredients that are going to be so weird that you can't, get them yeah you know or that you wouldn't yeah you might not you know i I did just make a drink that had um memphis barbecue bitters in it Mm -hmm. but i know the person that i was making it for and i know that he's not going to be daunted by the idea of having to go out and get a bottle of of fancy bitters Mm -hmm. but like i'm not but that's not one that i'm going to use in the vast majority of the rest of the cocktails because i don't want anybody to have to go out and get that yeah you know like if you like so most of them are going to have 
uh, you know, orange bitters or Angostura or, you know, some kind of aromatic bitters, you mm-hmm. know, something that's e- like something easy to, easy to find. Um, uh, because you know, that's the whole, that's the whole point of it. It's like, it's home bar drinks. Mm-hmm. So, and I know, like I said, also, like, I'm not going to infuse anything. I'm not going to make anybody infuse anything. <laughs> and I, I went back on that too. Um, but cause I, I was having, I was having a, uh, I made myself a chai tea one morning, mm-hmm. and it smelled so great. And I realized, like, you know, that actually, like those, that, like that aroma, like that would actually work really well with whiskey. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, all right, I'm just going to do a little experiment. And I took a tea bag and I threw it in uh, like four ounces of of uh, whiskey, and I let it sit there steep for like an hour. Mm-hmm. And I tried it, and it was great. And I'm like, okay, well, you know what. That that's not like that's not too much to ask anybody. No, but like if you read cock, you know, you read like these fancy cocktail books, um, and you know you'll come across something that's like, well, this is a popcorn infused, <laughs> you know, I don't I don't know popcorn infused whiskey. Like okay, well I'm not gonna like I'm not doing that. <laughs> I mean I'll I, like that's why I want to go to a cocktail bar because yeah. I'll try it. Yeah, like I'll go, but I'm like I'm not like that's too much. Mm-hmm. That's too much to ask. But uh, but a tea bag's easy. Anybody could do that. Yeah. And so um, so as I'm going and I'm like I'm I'm about uh, I'm about thirty cocktails in now. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> you know it's uh, you know I'm finding that I'm having to just out of necessity kind of like broaden my my scope a little bit in mm-hmm. terms of like the ingredients that I'm using because I don't I'm trying not to repeat myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially with the whiskey drinks, because about 40% of the, the drinks are, are going to be whiskey drinks. That's what most people wanted, I, which I didn't, I didn't expect. I, I thought mm. it might be, I don't know why I didn't expect it. Um, but I, I expected there to be more gin, uh, um, because I, I don't know why. I mean, I love whiskey and I make a lot of whiskey drinks at home. Uh, um, but I also really like gin drinks, and there's so many great gin cocktails that I thought, well, that the, the short, surely there will be roughly equal amount of, of whiskey and gin, mm-hmm. and that was not uh, that was not the case. Um, so any you know, so whenever I, I you know get to somebody who doesn't want a whiskey cocktail, I'm really happy because <laughs> because I get to do because I get to do something different mm-hmm. and um, and work with something that I you know uh, you know just it's just nice to break it up. Uh, you know, Laura had suggested it's like, well, why don't you do all of the, the uh, like do all the whiskey drinks at once, and then do all you know, and like that, you know, break it up by category, and and I, I, which was probably the smarter way of going, but I had promised everybody that I was going to do them in the order I was going to create the cocktails in the order in which mm-hmm. the pledges came in, which seemed like the fairest way to do it. Mm-hmm. I didn't want anybody, you know, like if you were, you know. If you were number one, I didn't want, and you're, uh, and you were asking for a vodka cocktail, and and there was only a handful of people who asked for vodka cocktails, and I wasn't, I didn't want it, that person to have to wait until, yeah, you know, May, uh, <laughs> to, to get their drink. So, um, and you got your drink early because mm. uh, because I, I knew I was coming over here. Yeah, I thought, well, you. that's that, <laughs> you know, like I can hand deliver, and we can, you know, like make for good. Make for good podcast uh, fodder. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So it's been great. I mean, it's I, I I have I will occasionally get a little worried that like I'm gonna run out of ideas. Mm. Uh, and so far, I haven't run out of ideas. Mm-hmm. And um, and then and people and then I'm just now starting to hear from people who mm. have gotten their cocktails. 
who have been happy, which has been oh, that's great. Great. I mean, it's like you know, like with any creative endeavor, you you kind of you know you put it out there and you hope people are going to like it. Mm -hmm. And um, there's something a little more personal about this, just because it's like I'm making a cocktail for you. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I'm losing my voice today. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I, you know, um, so I, and and in a lot of cases, like I don't, I don't know most of the people. Mm -hmm. So you know, so there's a uh, an element of, of risk to it, and so it's like you know, if you put a story out, you know, like you make a comic book, or you you know, you make a, a a TV show or something like that, you know, you you're putting it out, and you're figuring, okay, well, it it's. I made it. I made this thing. I don't know. When I approach these things, at least like with a comic book, it's like I'm making it and I'm thinking, okay, uh, I'm writing something that I would want to read, mm -hmm. and I'm assuming because my taste is not that different than anybody else's, uh, that other people are going to want to read it too. So I'm going to write this story, and uh, you know, w with that in mind, and write something. Yeah, write something that I want to read and try and make myself happy, mm -hmm. and. So when I'm making it, you know, and so, you know, but with a drink, it's a, it's a little more personalized. It's like, okay, well, you know, uh, one guy uh, wanted a Pisco drink, and I had never worked with Pisco before. And um, and he told me on a couple of occasions that he really likes raspberries with Pisco. And so, you know, I took the hint. And I'm like, well, okay, well, I got to figure out how to how to make something like this. But I don't know this man, and mm -hmm. I don't know, uh, you know, I don't know how he's gonna, you know. I mean, he seems like if he's making his own like you know raspberry infused pisco drinks at home, that he's 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 pretty adventurous and mm -hmm. and uh, you know fairly you know reasonably handy in his home bar. But you know, I still don't know whether or not you know, what you've come up with is going to be to that person's liking. And it's like, you got to trust. And like, I'm finding I got to trust my own level of taste. It's mm -hmm. like, well, I, I liked it. So hopefully that means that <laughs> he'll like it too. And so far so good. And so like he, he messaged me last night and he, he, he really was pleased with it. So, mm -hmm. you know, which, which was great. And I, I just, you know, I'm expect, but like, there's no way. I mean, I don't know. My, like my wife and I were talking about this yesterday. Like, there's no way that, that, you know, I'm going to be able to please everybody, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, that's like, like, it just seems like somebody's going to be a little disappointed. I haven't heard from that person yet. Yeah. And maybe, I'll, maybe I'll be wrong. I don't know. I mean, that would be lovely if I was, but, mm. uh, uh, but, but somebody's probably going to say, eh, that that's what you came up with. Today? <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah, that's what I came up with for you. So, you know, uh, and I, you know, based on the information that I had, and I, I liked it, so mm -hmm. I was hoping you'd like it too. So, so we'll see what happens. Hmm. Do you have any plans to do anything with the, the book once it's finished, or is it too soon to think about that? Well, well, yeah, well, there's going to be a book. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's, since there's going to be 100 cocktails, I mean, that, that, that's a book right there. Yeah. Um, there will be, so there will be a book that goes out to the backers. I mean, I, I haven't totally figured it out yet, but I think it's going to have, you know, it'll have all the recipes in it. And then I think some of the more relevant, uh, updates, mm -hmm. you know, that I've been doing, uh, the Kickstarter updates, because I think sometimes, you know, I don't know, some, some of them have been reasonably entertaining to read. And I, I think, uh, you know, that, that um, it would be a nice kind of commentary 
mm-hmm. to kind of go along with the drinks. And so, um, and my my daughter, my twelve year old, is uh, is illustrating the the book. Mm. She's doing oh, all nice. of the she's doing all the the spot illustrations. Uh, she's a a, a painter. Uh-huh. Um, and so, so, so some of them are water, she's watercoloring, and some of them she's using uh, Copic markers, mm-hmm. um, you know, which to to more or less the same effect. Um, and you know, she's making really terrific illustrations. And so, the book will have you know, have some illustrations in it, and she'll do the the book cover as well. And and uh, you know, so I'm very proud, Dad. Uh, you know, put her her work on display. And um, but yeah, I think at the when it's all done, said and done, it's like I'd like to you know see if I can. Uh, you know, find a, a publisher for it. Mm-hmm. If not, I'll, I'll probably just put it out on Amazon. Mm-hmm. You know, just like a, a Kindle Direct uh, yeah. uh, book, um, I, which I think I don't know somebody probably would buy. Um, and um, but you know, I'm finding that uh, that I'm actually better at this than I thought I was going to be, and that I don't know necessarily if there's a a a a future in it mm-hmm. <laughs> um but you know like uh, but as a nice you know it could be a nice sideline and i've got another i've got another project that i want to do a, a, uh, down the road um that hopefully maybe i'll start be able to start getting to it later like late in the year uh, this year um is that that marries comics and cocktails mm-hmm. it's like two two things that i love um so, uh, so stay tuned, uh, <laughs> stay tuned for that. But there's, I, there, there's a, there's a book in the works, mm-hmm. uh, that I actually think I could get like a real, uh, publisher for that. I, I probably would not have to go to Kickstarter, mm-hmm. uh, for it. Um, I, 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 am lucky, uh, in that, uh, one of the, one of the projects that I'm working on, um, uh, outside of, uh, one of the animation project that I'm working on, one of my, my partners on it, uh, is, uh, very well connected in the, the book world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I told her about the project and she's going to help me find somebody to, mm. you know, to, to rep the, rep the book, mm. you know, down the road. Um, you know, once, once I've got an actual like proposal for it and, and, you know, maybe even like a, like a sample story so yeah. that we can see, see how it works. Um, so, uh, and, and then I'm actually, uh, and then, you know, one of the other things that's coming out of this, this project is that there's also, uh, I don't know whether it's really going to happen or not. We're trying, still trying to put it together, but a, a cocktails podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, which would be a tremendous amount of fun because like, well, what I want to do is, is take these, these cocktails that I've come up with for everybody and, um, and test them out with real, you know, like with an actual mixologist, like a yeah. professional mixologist, and find out whether or not, you know, like I think they're good. And it seems like, you know, so far so good. Backers think they're good, you know, but like, is that not necessarily is it something that you'd put on your menu, but, mm-hmm. you know, from a, a professional perspective, you know, is this a good drink? And, and if it's not a good drink, if it's not, like, how would you make it better? Yeah. Um, and, uh, so like I so I think that'd be that'd be an interesting thing to do. So we're we're working out the the details uh, with that. Uh, there's a, a a bar that I'm fond of um, that I would like to that 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 I'm talking to about uh, kind of being the home base for for that mm-hmm. endeavor. Um, but it would be it would be tremendous fun. And I I mean for me it's it's like it would be a great learning experience because I really admire the the work that, uh, these, uh, uh, craftspeople do behind the bar. Yeah. And, um, you know, if I could be as, you know, like, you know, 20% as good at 
you know, making drinks as they are, I'd be thrilled. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I feel like there's probably some, there's some tricks to learn. Like, like, like one thing I have not yet mastered is doing a proper float on top of a drink. Mm -hmm. Like I can't, (laughs) I've tried it and it's like, I've gotten like a semi, like I've said, semi gotten it. Mostly I make a mess. Mm -hmm. You know, you're supposed to do, to do a float, you're supposed to, you know, pour the drink slowly, you know, pour whatever that in, you know, the ingredient is like slowly over the back of a, of a bar spoon. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to kind of float a little bit on top yeah. of a drink. <laughs> you just end and, up with and, it. And I want, and it, I mean, look, eventually it's going to sink. I mean, it, eventually it's going to incorporate and sink. And that's part of the magic of it. Mm-hmm. But I usually like, like the first few times I tried it, it's like the bar spoon wasn't angled right. And it winds up like some of it goes in the drink, but not floating. And then some of it goes on the counter. <laughs> You know, and so, so, you know, lest anyone think that I really am, you know, like that I'm great at, at, at this, it's like, you know, I'm still, I'm still making a mess. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, but yeah, it's fun. And there's, and, and I just feel like there's an endless amount of stuff to learn. I mean, like just to go to a bar and like a really, you know, go to a really good bar and look at, you know, oh, see all of those bottles behind the bar. And it's like, I know like what a lot of them are mm-hmm. and, um, like I like I've got a I've got about seventy bottles now in my in my bar, you know like a good bar, hundreds of bottles. And it's like I don't want to try that, and I want to try that, and I want to try that, and um you know and that's that's always uh you know that that's some of the fun of it. And mm-hmm. so like I go to the liquor store and I you know like I, I get lost a little bit because like oh my gosh look at all these different kinds of gin. It's like I'd like to have. Like I, I want to try this, and I, I mean, it's really what it comes down to. It's like because, like, like, like gins. There's, there's all different kinds, uh, all different kinds of gins. Like you can have, like, London dries, and uh, like you know, Beefeater, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Bombay, Tanqueray, um, and you know, they all, they, they all. I, I to be honest with you, I can't even tell you what it is that makes like specifically that makes them a London dry gin, mm-hmm. but you know, like they, they follow a certain, you know, a, a certain uh, rule, I suppose that, that gives them that qualification, but then, but they, but they're all a little bit different because they use different botanicals mm-hmm. and, uh, different, uh, levels of them, different infusions of them and, uh, to, to, to make the, to make their gin. So they all taste a little bit different. And then you've got, and then you get something like Hendrix, which is, really floral and and has and it has a whole and doesn't so it which is not a, a a london dry i don't think it is anyway and and so that tastes different but it still tastes like gin mm-hmm. and then you got all these new american gins um that are uh that are coming out like uh uh, uh one that i like is is called blue coat which mm-hmm. is made made in philadelphia and it's really good and it's a little it's like it's a little more citrusy mm-hmm. um but you know and so and they and i think I think these, I think it's, they've got a whole new category now. I think it's like American dry gins and, um, and there's people who are aging gins and, Mm. you know, it's really, it's really fascinating. In fact, uh, a guy I went to high school with, he graduated, I think a year after me, um, is now a a big muckety muck in the spirits business, um, and has his own company, New York distilling company. And so, and I just, I just listened to a podcast with him, uh, and, he puts out uh, uh, Dorothy Parker gin, and mm-hmm. um, he uh, and and they just started releasing a, a like a, a five year old rye, 
uh, whiskey. And it's like, so it's all made with rye in upstate New York. But his gins, he was talking about how he wanted his expression of gin to be. And, you know, that he wanted it to be unique to, uh, you know, unique to the, his region mm-hmm. and but all, and, and kind of unique to his taste. Like like he said, like, I, I love Plymouth gin, but I don't want to make, you know, a knockoff of Plymouth gin. And I was mm-hmm. like, I want it to be something different. And so to be able, you know, like, so that's what I find fascinating about it is that there's all sorts of different styles and different, I think you called it expressions. There's different expressions. <laughs> and so, you know, and I, I just find that, I just find that, endlessly fascinating and it's like and you know and to me it all i it's a it's just like it's a really unique creative endeavor Mm -hmm. and um you know and it's just but it's a different it's just it's a different expression to use the word again of of creativity and it's i think it's fascinating so um so yeah so i like it's i i I feel like there's there's no shortage of things to to learn Mm -hmm. so and that, in comics, in anything really, like there's just you can, it's it's endless. Yeah. So, hmm. Adia, thank you so much for coming down. And the podcast talking. is not endless. The, the podcast, <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, the the drinks were there was a hundred that you made for, or the, the make one hundred campaign was for the Kickstarter. So yeah. you, you're thinking one hundred episodes and. Oh yeah, for the podcast. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I think I think if we can do twenty to start, and let's see, and like, see, what let, see, see what happens. <laughs> see if anybody wants to listen to it. Uh, yeah, that would be. But uh, but yeah, like ultimately a hundred, and then see where it goes from there. Okay. So maybe it turns into a different. It turns into a different podcast after that. I mm-hmm. don't know. But uh, first, we got to make the got to make episode one first. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming down. Thanks for you. having me. You're welcome. That's it for the show. We'll be back in two weeks. You can find us online at whoiampodcast.com and contact us by email at whoiam at gmail.com or by phone at 818-308-4066. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, there is a submissions form on the site. We're also on iTunes where you can leave a rating if you feel inclined. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Jamie Gamble, and this was This Is Who I Am. <laughs>